Hey gang, are you in a band in Austin? You're looking to make the leap from the band of schmoes to the band of pros? Well, you can start by rehearsing at Space. Space is a state-of-the-art affordable venue for rehearsal and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. 31 spacious rooms, great PAs, and a very helpful and courteous staff. That's Space Rehearsal and Recording. Find them at 512-448-9518 or go to spaceatx.com and take the talent train from Schmoesville to Protown with Space Rehearsal and Recording. Let's get down. What are they saying on How Did I Get Here? When I met Seal, he was in, he was in the cracks. He, was, he just came off the heels of having that hit with a damn ski. We just stood off to the side and watched the puppets, okay. you know, mime to our our playing, okay. right, and sing. I'm a fucking crazy bitch. I drink like a poor person. Uh, it, it was anarchy. She goes, I very much enjoyed your program, but tell me, can you play that song, Redneck Mother? <laughs> and I kind of, like, I always, like, flourish in awkward situations. So I've and somewhat enjoyed all of this. <laughs> yeah. And if everybody wants to get on the whole Bible thing, it's like, hey, go read it. It was never a big deal here to be a girl. He, he was a special, special being, for sure. Because I'm the first female Hispanic to make it on the country billboard charts. Really? It's just kind of trying to not be afraid to be out there anymore. Then they'd move all the furniture and fire up the hi-fi with Ray Price and drink and party and dance in the living room all night on the weekends. Sometimes I wonder, I'm like, where is this going? Whatever, just keep going, you'll find out later. I was banned from going to shows when I was like young, younger because my parents hate rock and roll. And then I had, you know, really intense anxiety, just general anxiety. It's so intelligent. It's like the best music history and just music lesson you'll ever get in your life. That's How Did I Get Here with me, Johnny Gowdy. Available wherever it is you stream or download your podcast. Let's get down. You gotta open the vault. Open my vault? Open your vault. <laughs> Once I open the vault, it ceases to be a vault. You have no choice. I the vault. Welcome to another episode of How Did I Get Here from the Vault, where we reach back into our vault of well over a thousand episodes, pull one out, shine it up, and re-release it for you just in case you missed it or in case you want to hear it again. Gang, today we go back to episode 652, originally released on December 15th, 2017, with Eddie Wilson and Jesse Sublett. Eddie Wilson started the Armadillo World Headquarters in 1971. He brought the Cowboys and the Hippies together under one strange and beautiful roof to bond over music made by people that would go on to become some of music's greatest legends, i.e. Willie Nelson. You know what I'm saying? Like that, those kind of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and uh, musician slash author Jesse Sublett wrote the definitive story of the celebrated historical musical art venue. Armadillo World Headquarters, a venue by Eddie Wilson and with Jesse Sublett, is an amazing account of the place and the people that set in motion the Austin music scene that we know today. Gang, get out there and check out this book. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's really great. It's a super fun read. It's very long. It's very dense. But you find out so much about Austin's rich, rich, rich history. 
So much came out of that, that armadillo scene. Access television in the very early 70s. Like all this crazy stuff. In fact, gang, uh, yeah, we have a really great talk about all that stuff. You guys should check out this book, Armadillo World Headquarters, a memoir. This is kind of like, uh, you know, telling the story of the Austin scene. A Curious Mix of People is a great account of that scene that was happening in the 90s in the indie rock and punk rock scene here in Austin. Uh, Armadillo World Headquarters, a memoir, just tells the story of of how this whole thing got started, how Eddie got the place. Uh, there's a lot of stuff about Threadgills because he went on to own Threadgills. And, and I think when we did this, Threadgills was still open. But now, now Threadgills is gone. Both both locations are gone, and uh, it's just a memory. But you guys should check out this book, Armadillo World Headquarters and Memoir. Fantastic! And please enjoy my conversation with these two incredible legends, Eddie Wilson and Jesse Sublet. Let's get down. How did I get here from the vault? Try to put myself back in that place again. Well, when you're down on your luck and you ain't got Sound a call, Whoa! Hey, so, you guys have known each other for. How did you guys meet? At the Armadillo? Did you guys meet through there i have a story about that okay uh so uh in the late, late 70s in 78 when when the skunks started playing i we, we, were, we were young upstarts we, we we figured hey you know we'd only been together a couple of months and we we already resented the fact that uh armadillo hadn't booked us yet and wasn't wasn't going to book us but Lo and behold, a couple of months later, they actually did, you know, and so uh, they were actually really good to us. And I, 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 I knew a few of the guys. I knew Hank Ulrich, but and uh, <clears throat> Michael, uh, the artist, priest. priest, Michael Priest, yeah. But you know, I, I did, wasn't really aware of who was what uh, there, and I kind of naively uh, assumed that when I would hear. Uh, Eddie Wilson. It was always Eddie Wilson said this right or that. Back. He was the spokesperson, yeah. and then some. <laughs> and so I figured he was one of those long-haired, bearded guys, skinny, you know, right, no right, ass, right. backstage. And I, I, yeah, I know Eddie Wilson, but uh, it wasn't until 1995 that I actually met Eddie. He was introduced to me by Bill Naram, and uh, this guy, you know, obviously an ex-boxer. Uh, what were you, fullback? You know, oh, I'm just full of it, you know. <laughs> Big handshake and, you know, that deep voice. And go, I'm Eddie Wilson. You know, I've always been a fan. And I go, oh, I never met this guy before. This is Eddie Wilson. So yeah. it was. That was over behind Hoover's. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, that was a good good introduction. I miss Bill Naram every day. Yeah. Yeah. When did he did he pass, he passed recently? He or? passed a few years ago yeah. now. It's yeah, been he, almost, probably ten now, huh? It's been too it's, long. Yeah, he 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 was a he was a ringleader of Space City Video and Space City Press. Yeah. Wow, well, had to call it. Yeah. Yes, they, right. Yeah, they, they right. got run out of Houston, you know, by the Klan, 
you know, you know, back when everybody was coming here because they were escaping the rubber hose. Right. And uh, they had a collective of vidyots. And uh, they were light, because of Bill, they were light years away from head of anybody that we'd ever known around here. In the early days of half-inch, black-and-white, reel-to-reel, port-a-packs. Yeah. And uh, they were... They were well equipped for guerrilla uh, survival in Houston. They they kept catching the cops, beating up people, and and uh, uh, they were before that was that even a thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They were before it was popular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, were, <laughs> they were really. They, Bill was always ahead of everybody's time around here. Uh, he and Mike Tollison, who was at the Armadillo were the first real hardcore uh, vidiots that lived every day to make sure that we had public access television. They're the reasons that Austin was the only place in the country yeah. that ended up with public access. New York and, and, Austin, and Austin were yeah. in for yeah. a long time. It's, but, it's funny because I'm glad that you brought that up first because my first, I know that I... Well, I didn't live here as a little kid, but we used to come here and visit friends. And going to the Armadillo was part of the thing. And I know that I, I, I know that I was there, and I remember being at a place where the grown-ups were having a good time, and there was kids hanging out too. It's almost like going True. to Granny's yeah. house. Yeah, exactly. It was cool. Yeah. A lot and, of kids grew up there. But another yeah. thing I remember is not going to the Armadillo and watch staying with one of my mom's friends who was like, oh, you want to watch this concert on TV? And he was uh, like, that's where they are. Cool. And I always would ask people, like, was there, like, cable access in, like, 1974 or 75 here? And and people are like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Even, like, cable access people. But then finally your book gave me my thing. I was like, see, I knew that's what I was seeing then. Yeah, they, they, cool. they, they were so cool. They finally found a, 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 a place, a big old mansion out about a mile outside of uh, Taylor, and they started. They they converted uh, Space City Video to Taylor Vision. Right, right. And they uh, and they became the cable access uh, operation for the cable owner, who had four hundred and something subscribers, <laughs> and and they, suddenly they had content. Yeah. And uh, it was it was way ahead of anything anybody way else. Ahead. Yeah, you know, kids and probably six or eight people still warped from their their experience in Taylor being able to watch Freddie King at two o'clock in the morning after right. the show in Armadillo. Yeah, well, I remember when I had uh, when I I I I was like got I got uh, backup <laughs> on my on my story when I did uh, when I did the Greasy Wheels. And I was looking for stuff on them on YouTube, and then I'm like, wow, they had video of these Armadillo shows. And then, yeah, you guys had had a lot going on over there. <laughs> woman, A woman here in town who wrote a fabulous book about uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare. Mm-hmm. It's called the, the Most Hated Woman in America. Okay. And uh, Ann Seaman uh, is the writer. And she was in that UT RTF group that went out to the Mount Barker and hooked up to the cable for the first time and uh, with a reel-to-reel at the base of the cable and they had instructions about how to how to hook into it and 
Bill had to actually climb the tower, you know, 20 feet, and unhook San Antonio and hooked the Austin cable up to it. And, uh, and then she had to dash back down to the little convenience store at the low water crossing yeah. and drop a coin, call her roommate to see if it was coming over the Channel 6 on her TV set at home. You know, all the multimedia was in several jagged pieces of advancement at the same time there. That's insane. So let me ask you guys a question. How long, Eddie, because this is like, this book is a long time coming, you know? I started when I was about 10. This book? Yeah. <laughs> but how, how, what, what, how did, what took so long to, to, to sit down and really like tell the whole story? Well, I hadn't done that yet. Okay. But uh, <laughs> but, but thanks to Jesse, uh, enough of my effort had been t- was taken out for him to to turn it into a memoir. Right. And uh, and you know there's stuff still stacked on the floor that he that he he, he took out. I left some parts out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good thing, but uh, it was. Uh, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. I'd, I'd say that the first 200 times I sat down to work on it, I started at the very beginning every time. You know, I mean, you page one. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a miserable experience. Uh, I finally got to the point where I could just forget about the pressure of having to do it and go ahead and try to remember some of the stories. And uh, there, there, there are a lot of stories, thousands and thousands of stories that are untold, yet because there are all that many witnesses, and they've all got a different, right. a different remembrance of the same right. incident, and so it's there's there's still a world of stuff to mine. Yeah, Eddie's a hell of a writer. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, they, they, when when I work with somebody and I'm, I give them a free hand, I I, I normally you know don't. I'll just change things if I want, you know, even if it's just a little bit. But, you know, there are parts in there that are verbatim that he wrote back. In in fact, there's a couple of chapters that he wrote that are like uh, an address to to the staff or whatever, and that that uh, progress report to uh, Lone Star. Right. I mean, you can tell, the you know, it's not just that he's like a, a, practically a, a a writer right out of the can, but but his ability to conceptualize stuff kept those people together. Right. I mean, he was able to keep uh, coming back to them when their spirits would get low and make some crazy analogy, you know, to something in between a drill sergeant and something yeah, yeah. his like mama something out of used to tell him. And <laughs> they were like a herd of cats that just handed me the broom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Well, what I thought was really beautiful and what I took away from it and what I have experienced in the wake of of that creation, being a person that has spent the last 20-something years making a living as a musician in this, you know, being from this town, and I moved here because of the musical, like, community and the richness of the whole thing, was that you, uh, you created the thing that was the community. You know what I mean? Like that's what you created the first kind of like hub where people were hanging. And I thought that one of the best examples was that Thanksgiving with uh, the Grateful Dead. You know what I mean? 
where they went to the place and they ate there and they're like, oh, we want to jam here too. And they came back on the night off and yeah. Jerry and, and, and Phil. Night. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm looking back on it, I've become, you know, a bit of a social analyst after trying to, you know, poke around in a Petri dish and see what we can make out of the various elements. Yeah. And I've started to, to refer to that as the, I mean, everybody knows about the me generation right. in the 80s. The 70s were the we generation. Right. It was, it was a, a collective, and uh, it was a collective that, drew people to it yeah. you know it was a you know kind of a magnetic sort of sort of thing because uh you know alvin crow and dk a little all those wonderful west texas guys um all those you know serious coon asses yeah. uh you know the, from from houston east um you know doug doug was kind of a a, a, <laughs> an, a late comer and uh and yet kind of moved right to the head of the class. Yeah. Uh, he was old enough to... Uh, Sanders' daughter was in Los Angeles uh, with, a, with a movie contract, and Doug was on his way to California and sitting at the table at, at Threadgill's and discovered that Sandra had a, had a, you know, a TV star in the family yeah. who was maybe at that point close to 20, and and Doug wanted to know her address and her telephone number, and I had to kick Sandra under the table three or four really sharp <laughs> whacks to the shin to keep her from giving the contact information to Doug because that's just not what you do, Mama. <laughs> I, uh, I I hung out with him a lot, but I learned from your book that he that he uh, I didn't hang out with him a lot, a lot, but I hung out. I was in a band with with his son Shandon, and he was always around for a while, and. Uh, and and I didn't realize that he was a joint bogarder until oh. I read your book. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't even know that I remembered it in time for the book. But I, you know, I, we, oh, it's in uh, there. We sh we shared that. You know, the, the last thing before the last time I saw him. Yeah. The morning he left the Frisco shop to go to that uh, on that fateful you know last drive to California. Uh, there were only a maybe five of us in the little circle out in the parking lot, kind of chilly. And uh, he just, the, the joint just stopped. <laughs> you know? And uh, and not to be, not to be stymied. And, and because I was feeling kind of, I was feeling kind of flush, I just I whipped out another one. Guess what? That's when he passed it. It stopped. Uh, no, it stopped they too. both stopped. He ended up with both of them. And that was my last, my, my last go around with Doug. He, he was the master of the cosmic rap. I, I back in, um, I don't know, years ago, I, there was a short-lived entertainment uh, magazine show here in Austin, and and I was a segment producer for them. And so, I said, well, I'll, I'll go talk to Doug Som. And I can't remember if there was an event connected with it or not, but I. Uh, you know, cameraman and I went and met him, and and uh, just you know, uh, held out the microphone and asked one question, and he went off on you know this cosmic rap and talked for solid for ten fifteen minutes, and I'm going, it was great, but I was going, man, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but you know that the the show loved it and they would cut they cut that up into lots of yeah, different yeah, yeah. segments and used it you know in lots of different places yeah 
He did have a great yeah. cosmic rap. I remember when I first met him, Shannon was like, oh, you've never met my dad? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, you're going to love him. He tells great stories. And we walked into the backstage room and he goes, and so Carl Wilson leans over to me and says, and I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he came back from the uh, Doug Som and Friends uh, taping, he had a 8 by 10 of uh, Bob Dylan wearing a cowboy hat but Doug, Bob Dylan, and Doctor John wearing a wearing a big fuzzy fuzzy hat, yeah. and uh, I'll bet Doug made two hundred copies of that eight by ten, and he spread them out <laughs> like, like business cards at a at an Amway convention. All he right. was all over town spreading that thing out. And he was really happy about that. He was a fan as much as he was a star. Yeah, totally. But yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. Community. I mean, you know, in the uh, the thing about the 60s is, you know, uh, young people really felt they were they were in danger. You know, they they yeah. needed they needed places to go where they were safe. Right. Uh, and so uh, everything up until the armadillo was a little joint here and a place, a little right, right, bar right. here or there, and everything was temporary and funky. And so Eddie was looking for a new venue for hippie bands and found this giant thing and and uh they filled it up that he was peeing on ideas yeah. <laughs> just had, had yeah, yeah the, the next day i was still <laughs> stunned that we were gonna we were gonna be able to try to figure out a way to make something happen in this big enormous vacuous concrete and metal noise box yeah and uh it was uh just you know, we had 14 rooms with doors facing around the inside, and uh, when we tore them all out, we tore all those offices out. It was twice the size it was, but I left a bunch of 15-year-old kids. I got I somehow got assigned the babysitting duty for my landlord's son and all of his friends, and uh, left them some money to go buy some paint. And went to Panther Hall where she was headband, and uh, Spencer didn't want to split the door with anybody, so she was played like four or five sets. And uh, and when it was all over, I left Panther Hall somewhere in the neighborhood of midnight or later, and uh, uh, just had a magic carpet ride all the way back to Austin, right. you know, with the street, the big roadside signs coming up over the hills and, you know, being very amoeboid and, right, right. and snapping back into in that the time place. Of year. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and pulled into, pulled into the armadillo at about daylight and walked in to see how it was going. And every single, every door was a bright, primary color a different red and yellow green. <laughs> and it, it looked like a it looked like a nursery school yeah and uh, jim franklin the next time i was gone for a whole for an over a night jim franklin came in and and uh and added uh, the first touch of uh, of his artistic masterhood and uh, there was a, a black line drawn about waist high up and down and wavy all the way around the inside of the room across those freshly painted doors 
and uh, there were a few smudges on the wall, and I was just aghast. I thought somebody had vandalized us, and, and I, I started bellowing, you know, about, you know, who did this, and we'll by God find them, and, and, and we'll get right. And all of a sudden, there was Jim, still still sleepy-eyed and, and rubbing, his, rubbing his eye and bellowing back. Doesn't anybody around here recognize a horizon line? <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, it was going to be the splotches were armadillo holes. Okay. And he ended up doing the entire huge thing. It was like giving him a canvas as big as a you know a bus barn. Yeah. And uh, he he was not to be he was not to be denied a canvas. Uh, he he transformed everything he got close to with a paintbrush. Yeah. It's amazing that, 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 like, just the amount, it was almost like, um, when I was reading, I was getting that vibe of, like, almost like, uh, uh, like, what the factory must have been like with Warhol. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's so many people in there, industry, making shit, like, a recording studio, and people back there, people filming stuff, uh, an advertising agency, uh, uh, an art commune where all these great artists got together and really like supported and had a, an outlet for their place and a community to be a part of. I wrote a line yesterday that I thought must have come right out of Channel and Doug. I, I, you know, one man's rut is another man's groove. Uh -huh. Wow, that's, yeah, that's good. Got that's a million of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so. Let me ask you this. Here's a good question, because you were talking about Shiva's headband. You started out managing them, right? That's what you were doing? Well, you, that was my assignment. You were the friend with, you were the guy that had the suit? Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't scared to talk to grown-ups? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't go anywhere. Um, you, it's interesting, because it seemed like you made a lot of connections in the music business all around when you were running the Armadillo, that when you left there, that you, you... I, it's just because I, I, I don't know you and I don't know where you're coming from with this stuff. It's it's odd to me that you didn't go off in the music business. You know, I had I mean? already been there. I mean, like in the not having a place, but oh, I understand moving what you mean. people. I understand yeah. what you but mean. You'd but it, been it, was there. The, it was the it was it was similar to leaving the armadillo and starting the raw deal. Right, right. You know, I had uh, the raw deal was maybe the most creative thing I've ever done. Uh, it was an expression. Of uh, where I'd been, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, one, one man's fat chance, another man's raw deal. <laughs> uh, I had, uh, I had all of that. Uh, I had all that I wanted to, and and I, and it was it was um, it was theater. The raw deal had you know my my genius radio friend Woody Roberts uh, advised me about the jukebox. I said, what kind of format should I have? And he said, see if you can fill it up with nothing but instrumentals never been done before right. and of course about out of the hundred records there were probably at least 15 that were oh yeah the b-side the b-side and there was you know some you know lyric on the other side but i just typed on the label scratch do not play on all of those sides with lyrics and nobody ever played one of those sides they really <laughs> took it for granted and it was the the best event I think that I've ever been a part of was in that little place that you know held thirty five seats, and all the regulars showed up with juice harps and and uh, uh, harmonicas, and we had a kazoo, elimination and whistle off, wow. <laughs> and they'd punch up one of those instrumentals 
and then they would wail wow. on whatever little <laughs> instrument they had. Pat Thornton <laughs> played the comb yeah. and was just fabulous. Yeah. And uh, and there were and four or five four or five of them came in their cheerleader outfits and did little choreographed routines. But it was it was a hoot. I'm sorry, I missed that. And we and when we left, we went in a snake, a, a, a snake <laughs> line, whatever you call that, uh, conga line. line, out into Sabine Street, out of the front door of the Raw Deal, and then down Sixth Street and across and back down the other side, doing three blind mice. Wow, three, <laughs> three <laughs> blind mice. And it, was, uh, it was maybe the closest I've ever come to dancing. Yeah, wow. You're not a dancer. I'm a Baptist. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. I, I learned right away that to, you know just try to go ahead and shoot for the back seat yeah you know, you know i think i had the first fm radio at mccallum high oh really and so and i had a beautiful beautiful hot rod uh 57 ford blue and white naugahyde seat covers and so it was kind of like a you know a four-legged love seat yeah and uh Good, good music and cushiony. What made you go in the Marines? Stupidity. <laughs> I thought their. I, 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 I tell people I thought their motto was simplify. <laughs> it's and, not. and uh And I had a and I had a friend, uh, older friend who, who, uh, who tricked me. Uh, I, I didn't realize that I was immune from the draft. That was that was a real piece of work on my my. But uh, Galen Lyle tricked me. He eventually became head of the ground weapons division of the CIA. So wow. he, you could know he's a tricky guy. He's a super spook. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I thought, you know, make me, a, make me a man. I come home and give me a Chevy 2 and marry my girlfriend and, you know, have sex every night and, you know, become a school teacher, a football coach, or a lawyer or something like that, you know, whatever. Yeah. And none of it ever worked out. No. There's no, a little boy. No, I want to start with my spelling. You know, it was going <laughs> to hang me up. And, and uh, after I lost her in boot camp, I, I, I realized one night uh, that I had addressed all of those letters to her, my dear sweetheart. And uh, <laughs> so my, 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 my spelling has saved me from several uh, good engagements. Real jobs. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's good. Um you're wearing your Threadgill shirt. That the that the one on Riverside, the outside, that beer garden. That's your dream beer garden. Well, it's uh, that's like there's no such thing as a dream beer garden for me. Beer gardens are all nightmares. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the beer gardens keep me from enjoying perfect weather because perfect weather is right on the cusp of changing into into weather that runs you inside. I had a show and that so, was canceled there a couple of years ago because of that bad weather. Yeah. 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 Well, I had, uh, you know, I had Schultz Garden, mm-hmm. and uh, and and that was as miserable as any experience. Oh, you I've did ever that? Had. I yeah. I, I remodeled Schultz Garden. I think I, you know, helped uh, kept it from falling apart. I, I I poured my heart and soul in Schultz Garden, lost it, and and uh, I, every the beer garden at Armadillo was, you know, that was fabulous when the, you know, it was the beer garden of Eden, and we had little angels waiting the tables, yeah. and the rains would come and. A spot would fall on one of the little halter tops, and all of a sudden the nipples would go up all over the yard, <laughs> and everybody'd have to rush around getting the salt and the sugar off the tables right, before right, the rains came, and right. we would get them all off the table, and then the rain would clear away. 
and put them back out. And I've always hoped that I would someday have a life with no beer garden and, and that I was responsible for so that I could go around and enjoy other people's beer gardens and let them fret. Yeah. But you, you got to. My, I was uh, I was talking to my aunt yesterday, and I was like, oh, I'm reading this book about the armadillo. I was like, oh, you went to college here. Would you, would you go there? And she was like, oh, yeah, but I didn't get to go into the thing very much. I said she was really poor when she when she went to school here, but she hung out in the beer garden. She was like, I Talk hung out in the beer so garden. so many people that spent their entire, well, especially pretty girls. Well, you did even after you left. That's where you went. You still went there. Uh, every now and then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, uh, I've been told by a lot of a lot of people uh, uh, that they, uh, young women that they they spent their entire college career drinking beer in the Armadillo Beer Garden and never bought a single beer. Oh, that's good. <laughs> never once. Maybe my aunt didn't have to buy any beers. Yeah, she was cute. Um, so let's talk about all that music uh, that went through there. Like why? Uh, why? That's <laughs> oh, fun to talk about for me. I like I like I like to know that a guy there was a guy that like would hang out with Leon Russell and then Bette Midler. And, I mean, that's a good, that's a good variety of people. Well, that's a wide, we had a wide, a wide variety. We did, yes. Uh, Blind George McLean and, and Frank Zappa. Oh, uh, Mance. Uh, Lipscomb. Lipscomb. Yeah, Lipscomb. Yeah. I'd never heard of him, and I've looked him up, been listening to him since I started reading this. Well. Yeah, he's a great singer. He's a, a, a masterful guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mance, uh, Chris Trakowitz with Arhuli Records uh, was the connection with all of those those uh, super unknowns. I mean, he he uh, he was responsible for Lighton Hopkins getting you know getting back out and discovered uh, a bit. Strakowitz uh, uh, is somebody to somebody to uh, revere and, and look up. Arhuli has done incredible collection of folks who would have never been known about otherwise. Yeah. Mance really comes off good on video too. I mean, yeah. he's such a character, and he re- he really inhabited that era. And in between Frank Hamer and you know, uh, Armadillo, Frank Hamer, the ranger who killed Bonnie and Clyde. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was in, he was like in that area a lot. I can't remember why, but you know, and. Uh, so Frank Hammer buried head to head with Ike Ritter. Oh, really? It, uh, oh. Yeah, it, uh, a big state uh, um, a few, uh, graveyard out there, 38th Street somewhere. And uh, you know, Ike was the was the speedy guitar player with uh, you know Hub City Mover and mm-hmm. Ramon Ramon the Four Daddy O's. And, uh-huh. uh, he was that uh, was Jim Franklin's band, right? That was mm-hmm. a band that Jim Franklin commandeered. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, he. Uh, as a matter of fact, the opening poster that's so wonderfully well designed and rare and all has has three bands listed on it. One of them's Whistler. Whistler didn't play. They broke up that week, and and uh, Jim got Ramon and Ramon the Four Daddios back together, so he could uh, he could experience the, the open of it yeah. on stage. Did you were you at that All ATX thing? Did you have anything to do with that? With that album that came out with the tribute to the Armadillo, yeah, well, well yeah, you like, guys, it was a tri- honor, right? it was a tribute. Yeah, they paid me a tribute. Uh, I think uh, I mean, uh, yeah, they, they were, that's the sweetest thing ever happened to me. Yeah, uh, uh, Gary Keller, yeah, yeah. Keller Williams, uh, is a huge music fan and a real he serious is. preservationist. Yeah. and uh, Gary was uh, <laughs> G- Gary was was. Uh, 
I mean, from day one, he'd just been real, real nice to me. I mean, how many, how many people, <laughs> how many, how many people get asked, you know, twice, what can I do to help? And you don't have an answer. So he says, when's the book coming out? And I said, oh, I two, three months. He said, well, I want to buy 5,000 of them. <laughs> so, You're kidding me, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And so mm-hmm. he gives them away to people who need to know more about Austin. He's, he's, uh, he's just one of the nicest things that has ever come across my really screen. That is really cool, man. Yeah. 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 And I know he he does a lot for like Sims and Ham and the Awesome Music Foundation, and stuff. Yeah. He's yeah he's a great dude. So were you at that at that concert that they had at Auditorium Shores? Well, of that course. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, how, how could I how how could I how could I let them, you know? I, they hugged me raw. Yeah. You know you can't you can't miss that you can't pass. That. I mean I don't generally go out, but when I <laughs> but when I heard when you, it they were they were all lined all lined up to. You know, to hug me and hump my leg. I mean, I had to go. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was quite a tribute. Were you there, Jesse? I did not go. Yeah. I was burned out. I uh, I wanted to go, but also I, you know, I went. Yeah, I didn't want to get crushed in the mob. <laughs> in the hugging. Uh, yeah. He takes a day off after every book he finishes, uh, and I think he just finished like that. one that day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. It, it's been a brutal summer, but I mean, I love doing. If anyone's, you know, got room for me, I'm. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be at the Armadillo World Headquarters uh, Christmas Bazaar. Oh, yeah. Uh, here on yeah. Saturday. Both the next two Saturdays, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Oh, really? Also, yeah. also, and I don't know, I'm not this sure. This comes when out this on is, Friday. Uh, Friday? Yeah. Uh-huh. Monday, we'll, uh, there's a, uh, a gig that's hard to describe. It's music and uh, uh, authors signing books at Shreddy uh, Gills. Uh, Riverside. Oh, uh, that's great. Starts at 10. It's Carolyn Wonderland is playing. Oh, yes. A bunch of others. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're there. That sounds great. Corcoran. Uh, I'm, I'm also signing the Esther's Follies book, which I'll try to hook you up with. But either way, and, I'll, uh, I'll get it, man. I love, I love your books, man. Thanks. Oh, speaking of your book, there's a, there's like a Timmy Overton worked at the door at the Armadillo? Let's was see. that from he the... He did not. No. no but, Who was the guy? Uh, there's a guy. Hold on. I wrote uh, it down. And I outlined it as so many times. There's always a, a, a connection between all these stories, yeah, though. Yeah, so, there is. you know, I, I, Eddie and I, I, I was consulting with Eddie on the Overton gang when, when he was working on this book and I got involved. So, oh, so do you, do you uh, knew those guys from just, they were, well, back nefarious in the, back in the cats. day, back yeah. in the day, you, everybody knew everybody. Right. And so, but you didn't run with people just because you knew them. Uh, you sometimes you ran from them because you knew them. <laughs> yeah. uh, Larry Colbreth, uh, you know, uh, scariest, scariest people I've ever known. Uh, always seemed to be having a good time, uh, hanging out and getting along. But you know, I grew up at Shite Park, and Shite Park back in those days was really tough. Yeah, it was it was really rugged and. Uh, and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to to get a three point stance working so that I can do this little this little film that I'm I'm trying to make so simple that I can do it with very little editing, and uh, it uh, it starts at uh, it starts at Umlofs, mm-hmm. and it's all about the the spinach capital of America that we were when Zilker was planted in spinach from there all the way to Bergstrom. Okay. And then it ends up at another sculptor's house. I mean, it goes through the capital where you get to get up close to those incredible sculptures that yeah. Elizabeth Ney made at her place across from Shite Pool. 
up in Hyde Park. And I, I, I learned how to, I learned, I heard my first dirty talk at Elizabeth Night. I learned how to smoke cigarettes and learned the difference between several vile things that I didn't know really the difference between until I found them all out at Elizabeth Night. So my, 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 uh, my little, my little Austin film is, uh, about a, eight or ten stops, but about a minute and a half story in each place. Oh, wow. And it, uh, and, but it, it, it moves across the river and, you know, the story of the dams and all of the floods and, and all that. Uh, down by the riverside oh, yeah. is, is, a, oh, is my choice yeah. for how it starts. I forgot about that. At the beginning of the book, you you explain the flooding and the dams and everything in a really great way. He really, yeah, he's got yeah. it. He's got that conceptualized once again. Well, it just, uh, I mean, Austin's, uh, Austin's history is pretty much tied to the river and the dam. Yeah. And trying to get control of it. And, you know, we moved, we moved, we moved. We moved here because it was so beautiful, and yet we we couldn't really control it. But we, you know, hard headed, a bunch of folks they were, and so uh, Austin wiped out several times before they finally got it under control. And it's uh, just our way. Still getting it. A, every once a in lot while. of this, the, the changing of the guard or or, or the uh, bulldozing of you know uh, our landmarks uh, because you know. Uh, when the armadillo went down, you know, suddenly there was that feeling of a hole in Austin. Like uh, there was this uh, yeah. uh, feeling that oh, we should try to preserve Austin music and culture and stuff. And uh, before it's all gone, and then <clears throat> a lot of that's going on now because of the tremendous growth. And Didn't one they do of something the, like that with Saxon Pub? Well, I'm Saxon sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. I just well, it, uh, well you know, it. Well, yeah, it's. They got some kind of thing where for I don't know how many years that has to be a music. Venue. Gary Keller uh, bought. He did uh, the Saxon Pub and yeah. that all that land around it. Oh, and so Gary, I mean, <laughs> Gary, Gary Keller preserved the the Saxon and and saved Joe from having to go out past, you know, Ben White and right, where they were going to put it down somewhere another like that. Place. Right. Yeah, he he Gary Keller saved the day for Saxon Pub. But you know, and now, now you know, the, they do have those high rises on, on either, all around, and so like, uh, <laughs> you know, one day I was driving down South Lamar, and I didn't see uh, South Austin Music or the Saxon, and yeah. it's just because like, you know, they're they're hemmed in. It, it's like a, a, a concrete navel, you know, yeah. Yeah. on South Congress. But but the thing that on uh, on uh, <clears throat> Riverside Drive, you've got. Um, this little clutch of uh, people who live in, in houses that were formerly owned by uh, Hattie Valdez, the Austin's uh, leading madam. In the oh, right, 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 right. And all that. And, uh, and they, uh, there's like four or five houses that are still there that she used to own, and these guys are into the history of it and everything. And they fight with the city about, you know, adding, you know, a, a, a little dormer room on top of their house, and yet they there's a couple of high rises going across the street that are blocking their view right. that they get to do what they want. These guys still have uh, the hole in the floor where uh, the Overton brothers sawed a hole in the floor to come up through there and uh, 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 tie her up and get her to tell her, tell them where their, her diamonds and stuff were. Wow. They preserved that as history, so that's across the street from what's coming in a... Yeah. Uh, 
anyway. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. There's, I like that there are some points in the book where people are talking about like in 1975, like, oh yeah, Austin's not the same as it used to be. Or like even yeah. in 1980, you're like, oh geez, yeah. what do you think now? Yeah. Nothing's ever the same. No. Yeah. Well, that, that I, I love the light bulb joke, you know, how many Austinites does it take to screw in a light bulb? You know, there's like at least two or three because there's got to be a hippie to say how much better it was in it when the armadillo was here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. in some ways, you know, definitely got a point, you know, and that's why that joke's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I thought it was interesting. You, what was the place that Rod Kennedy had? <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I? I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm just. I'm just. Castle Creek. Castle Creek. Uh, Rod. Rod Rod had. Rod Uh had several places, and and uh, and uh, you know, he's proof. You know, but that was the place that you specifically said, like, all right, like one of the things when you did your announcement. This is not Castle Creek. My name is not Rod Kennedy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rod. Rod. uh, Rod and I didn't have a lot of chemistry. Uh, It doesn't seem like it. But uh, but he, you know, you, you. it was a lot of drive, a lot of drive. I mean, you know, I guess one of these days I'll go to the Corville Folk Festival. I don't know, but uh, in the in the meantime, uh, uh, you know, he he was early on in the in the jazz radio in town. Uh-huh. You know, if it hadn't been for Rod Kennedy, I would have probably I would have probably come up different. You know, like I I didn't you know when the whole, when the public was being beat about the ears with "Hang Down Your Head, Tom Dooley." Right. I was mm-hmm. listening to Scotch and Soda by the Kingston Trio and thought they were the coolest thing that ever happened. Right. Because, uh, you know, but then Tom Dooley just kind of <laughs> snuffed all that out. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of history that, that still needs to be uh, heard and preserved out of the likes of Don Hyde, who is really the main, the main uh, intellectual cog in the... Uh, the founding and evolution of the Vulcan Gas Company. Right. And a uh, wonderful storyteller, good good writer, and a, and a real good friend. He's a human legend. I mean, his stories, you know, you look at him and you go, you got to be making up some of these, you know, but no, they're all true. It's just yeah. so too weird to be made up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he and, he, he, and, he and a good pal, you know, worked for the big, big... Uh, uh, Gardener for you know, people, uh, landscaper that uh, produced many, many, many packages of peyote oh, right. buds yeah. to send to Japan and Germany. They were working in the summertime, wondering why are all of these people around the world ordering these peyote cactus buds? And it's because they were getting high. And uh, and until until uh, uh, yeah, Huxley didn't... wrote the recipe right. in Playboy from the the sixty three edition yeah. of, of uh, the November would have been called the election issue. Okay. Uh, but uh, but uh, uh, Huxley and Dan Wakefield and uh, and uh, Timmy uh, Timothy Leary all had three each had one article in that issue of Playboy that uh, brought Gary Scanlon back from New York in order to try to see if he could help manufacture, uh, you know, this recipe for... for, 
Peyote, uh, mescaline. Mescaline, yeah. yeah. Mescaline. Who was the centerfold that month? <laughs> you know, I've been <laughs> yeah, meaning to go back. I've got, I've got the issue. I've got the two or three copies of the issue, and I keep uh-huh. from forgetting to go back. And uh, yeah, that was probably a pre-silicone issue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. I have my birth, my birth month and year issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has, Sweet. it actually is really cool. It has, uh, it has the... It still has the thing where you can vote for the musicians of the year, and like Jimi wow. Hendrix was still alive, and all these cool people. You're like, oh wow, wow. Um, you you got to meet Janis Joplin, or be in her presence. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay out of her presence, but uh, yeah, Janis. Uh, Janis and I had no chemistry. We had no, no we had no uh, relation. <laughs> you know, we had no friendship. Or I'll, you know, one time I can remember trying to get her to sing a song at Treadgill's, and I can't even remember what it is. I remember it different every time. And she could ignore me to death quicker yeah. than anybody. I, but very next round, Mr. Treadgill asked her to sing the same song, and she'd sing it for him. Uh, of course. Uh, they were tight. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, you still in the one up north, right? Huh? Yeah, you have both of them. They're both yours. Right? Well, I, it's, I pay uh, the mortgage. You pay the mortgage on 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 the one up north, and right. I, I pay the I pay the rent on the one down one south. Downtown. Okay, is there? Do you guys do a, a thing like was wasn't Kenneth's thing on on uh, on Wednesdays or something? He do always you, yeah. You do, w- do Wednesday it? night was when he always had his his, mm-hmm. his music home night, uh, and we tinkered with the format, tried to add more music, and fallen back again to Wednesday. Wednesdays, it's, uh, yeah. Someday I won't have music or a beer garden. No? No, just serve just serve food, and everybody will say, gee, that was wonderful, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, it's all bells and whistles. Well, it's obvious from the book, which, which, by the way, I don't know if I've said it on the microphone yet because I'm too excited to be talking to you guys. It, it's um, it's unbelievable. It's great. It is It is educational. It's exciting. It's a fun read. It gets sad at the end. I did. I wanted it to just be like the first part of the book. The rest of the time, it was so so nice back then, and I can remember yeah. that era. Like I was a kid, but my mom was one of you guys. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, it's great. I wouldn't be this guy if if it wasn't for her. You know what I mean? And just like army um, either. Yeah. You know, Beulah, Beulah still. You know, she still reigns. And, and in my thoughts all the time. Yeah, you still use her recipes. The recipes, recipes. You know, yeah. recipes are an old myth. Uh, you know, you, you don't need recipes; you just cook. Yeah. But uh, her, her little sister, my aunt, I own is is I guess ninety now, and uh, wow. I called her this morning, and left a message in Poplarville, Mississippi, and uh, miss her, miss her a bunch. I, just wish I'd have found Sandra in time for Beulah to know her. Oh. She'd be she'd be really happy for me. Now I remember now, dear Sandra from the book. You come in in the last part. Of, you're the happy part at the end of the book. The super happy part, right? Yeah. Um. So, uh, is there music now that you get excited about? Like, is there any music you hear now? Because well, I mean, you went I'm in through the some of the best of, stuff. I'm I'm in the process uh, of. Getting ready for the guest disc jockey show oh. that somebody does. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, on like and, KUTX or something. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, I've uh, I've had to cough up, you know, my preferences and uh, and uh, about a dozen I think they wanted, and and that was harder than I might have uh, 
I thought it in the beginning, but it, it started off really easy because uh, uh, I've got some pretty esoteric favorites, and uh, Ken Nordine's Yellow uh, is what I've been using as the potential theme song of my, uh, whether it turns out to be a blog or a, or, or whatever, but the Yellow Pad Journal is how I how I generally track my my daily progress. I never okay. tear them out or throw them away or anything. So yeah, well, years and years worth to go back through. Really, but the uh, the the, yeah, the Yellow Pad Journal is, uh, is if you hadn't heard Ken Nordine do Yellow, then you really need to check him out. He's got it's off an album. It's called Colors, and it's got a whole lot of colors that. It's real uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Olive is the first one. I know that. And who, yellow is the third one. I know that. Who was your guy, Mose Allison? Wasn't that the guy that you went back to see? Well, the the yeah the piano player, Mose Allison, no. was was who was who I wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, my taste in music so far exceeded my my skill in music that I got really sick of hearing myself try to play, and so I gave it up. Just in the, you know, just keep, you know, the worst thing a hillbilly can do is embarrass himself. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I tried really hard to, to, to not sh- do. shy away from that. Yeah. But you're not like, hey, guys, have you heard the new uh, Taylor Swift album? You're not, you're <clears throat> not like out there in that, like looking for new music like that. That's what I meant. Like, is there anything new that you've heard that you get excited about that excites you after hearing all that music and being around all that great music? Do you feel like uh, do you feel like it's not as good as it was? You know what I mean. Like there's that I feeling I just you don't, have. I don't. Right? I don't. Uh, I would guess that anything that I'm short of in the way of knowledge about what's going on is my fault. Right. Uh, I would guess that there's every bit as much fabulous stuff out there sure. as, as when I was last you know tripping on acid and listening to Bach or Beethoven. Yeah. Uh, you know just. Good music doesn't go away. The beauty, no. of, the beauty of of, uh, of all of our technology now is that uh, is it's here forever, and so you can sort through it. Yeah, you know, I'm not much of a genre cataloger, right? But uh, but uh, you know, it's not hard for me to get really happy listening to music. I don't listen to it as much as I used to because I'm trying to make notes about the little movie that goes on in my head. Right. And uh, and I can't I can't do that when I'm whistling a happy tune. Right. That's true. What about you, Jesse? Is my, there anything? Two, my two most exciting musical experiences this year, uh, we went to Los Angeles in the summer to see Brian Ferry play oh. at the Hollywood Bowl with the uh, uh, Hollywood Bowl Orchestra. Oh, wow. And uh, I thought, you know, I was a little worried. Like, what's he going to do to his material to try to make it work with the orchestra? Nothing. The band rocked out, and the symphony played with them. It was really cool. You know, five basses, upright, you know. Unbelievable. uh, So that was awesome. And uh, uh, the other thing was uh, the opera. I've been wanting to go to the Met in New York, and... uh, for the this fall, they they were doing a new one uh, that was just just came out last year, uh, um, um, the Exterminating Angel, which is uh, an a- adaptation of the surrealist uh, 
uh, movie from 1962 by Louis Bunuel, and uh, it's just a really far out surrealist, uh, and it's also like very apropos for our times. And uh, Thomas Ades, the Spanish composer, his stuff is really dark, surreal, and dense. And so it was very suitable, and uh, the story is very simple. The, the, the very the society party they go to a, a dinner at a villa, and uh, <clears throat> after the opera, and uh, you know they're silly, super rich, you know, horrible people for the most part, and uh, they have dinner and everything, and then they they can't leave. I mean, this un- invisible force prevents them from leaving, <laughs> and they're in the house for weeks, and they end up killing these sheep who are just happen to be in the house. That's never explained. <laughs> you know, and they're, they're savagery. They just become savages. Um, it's just really cool. Yeah. Uh, so that was a great experience. It's, it's, it's weird to think that there's new operas being made. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you I, don't think about that. I know. That. Well, opera is kind of a, you know, I'm kind of a junior leaguer, at, junior league guy at that anyway, so I, I you know, I feel like a a little kid uh, trying to figure it out, but uh, it is strange. But opera is strange, and so these things go on, right? Yeah. I mean, people still playing blues music. Didn't so. didn't, uh, uh, didn't Roxy Music play the? Yeah. Did you go? Nineteen seventy-five. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, awesome. He without he had just Brian Ferry. <laughs> I'll take this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I knew I was getting that blank look. I was like, yeah, he doesn't seem like a Roxy Music guy. I was yeah. gone. I was, I was yeah. gone. He, oh, you were gone. You were gone. Recently okay. left. Uh, Brian Ferry had recently hooked up with Jerry Hall at that point. Oh. And he had a mustache and he wore like like uh, riding boots and, and stuff. Uh, uh, was he wearing the, the, yes, the army yeah. kind of thing? With right. The tie tucked in? Yes. Post, exactly. you know. Got yeah. it. All right. Yeah. I'm with you. And uh, uh, Eddie Jobson and Phil Manzanera and everybody. Yeah. Most of those guys were still with them, and it was real cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I was a glam rocker, you know. Yeah. So. There's some wild bands that played there, too, like the Tubes. Yeah. That was I, a weird story. I still have... Slade. Uh, uh, Slade, yeah, I yeah. I still yeah. have Kodak uh, <laughs> snapshots of that show. You do? Of uh, Feeway Fee, Bill and his yeah. giant uh, platforms, uh, punk, white punks on dope. With, and, you know... The, I don't know if you got to that part yet, but I got read the whole to, thing. Oh, okay. Well, talking to uh, Robert, who did stage yeah. star, yeah, the yeah. unicyclist guy. Uh, no, no. Uh, oh. the guy who wore the gorilla suit. Yeah, the big, big, big guy. I thought that was the guy that rode the unicycle and he ride between them uh. in their microphones. Oh, Wasn't no, he their tour that manager was a, or something? Yeah, something else. Okay, okay, uh, but, sorry, but, sorry. But he, uh, he, he, one of the requirements was a. Uh, a, a chainsaw that would right, right, fire right, up right, right away and but it had to have the the chain chain off removed. right yeah dub rose so dub tuned rose, it up right. talked to him yesterday oh yeah? yeah yeah um i'm trying to think of like all these characters now that that name dub rose he's a lot he's featured a lot in the end of the book too like in the the last yeah. era of the of the armadillo well i i, I it might also be that Way because uh, we did this a uh, series of interviews w- with Dub and uh, Bobby Hederman and Eddie and uh, M- Michael uh, Tolleson to to straighten out some uh, certain details about the <laughs> I bet that the was hope, 
Well, yeah, it was fun because I wanted to get the whole Lone Star story right because that's well, been told wrong. Wasn't there one thing where you like you you were frustrated? It actually says, and Jesse got frustrated and said, "So oh, you guys don't yeah. know who did this or something like that." There, there is something like that, yeah. and that was over, over that I believe because it was so confusing. I thought, what, 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 what? And, and so big and important. Yeah. Well, you're like, hey, I gotta get this story from all these people who were all just high as shit for like yeah. a decade. Well, uh, you know, a part of it also is the, you know, like the blind man and the elephant. One one person did one piece of the business, another did another, and right. so you got to put them all together, and uh, so and uh, so and with so often with these these kinds of stories, not just this one, but like people say things and you go, what? What you're making that up? Did I hear you wrong? You know, the outrageous stuff, and it you know it really happened. There was that, and the the other thing I really wanted to get right was the way that Austin City Limits really got started. Yeah, and it, you know, started out at the, with the Armadillo guys. It was right, going to be at the Armadillo because it's that thing started off on KLRN, right? That was the shared station with San Antonio, and yeah, yeah, because I I found that really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, Tolleson and uh, and uh, Bill, uh, we had a lot of idiots, you know. We had yeah. a lot of real serious, serious uh, people that wanted to be, you know, the groundbreakers in a whole new entertainment and information exchange, and it was and. and Jesse even tell telling that story about having to run down from Mount Barker and the reel to reel to the seven eleven to drop a dime to call home to ask her roommate yeah, if it was, was coming working. over the yeah. that the the dead channel. Yeah. Uh it just and how many how many kinds of media can you just, you know, put into one evening? Yeah. Yeah, that the video will come out someday. I, there was so much video happening at that time. It's kind of a lost part of the Armadillo did you, story. I mean, did you see the stuff that's on YouTube that's out there? Because there's like the oh. Talking Head show is up oh, there. Right. Um, there's some greasy was, and there was a thing mm. I noticed uh, that I don't, I didn't ever remember seeing. But I used to watch the show as a kid. Was that Night Flight show did a special, like two parts oh, on wow. the closing. Night. I barely remember that. I just, uh, so yeah. I, well, I, f I found all kinds of stuff. Like I was like the thing the way the way that this whole thing started was Skyrocket, the band I'm in, played one of the Armadillo tribute nights at Threadgills in August. But right. before they got that gig, I had committed to be in the house band for this Dudley and Bob 25th anniversary thing and I was also doing a song so I didn't get to play that show but I was going through the playlist because they were playing songs all they were doing two sets of people that had played the armadillo and then you're like looking at stuff and you're like wait a minute wait a minute that's like a that's a that's like a Boz Skag song what are you doing and they're like oh he played there and then you're like yeah. you know you start finding out all this stuff so so I started like I mean just kind of becoming you know, fascinating when I heard from uh, Sarah, I think it was, who emailed me. I was like, oh, that book is out. Yes, I totally want to do this because it's been on my mind, fresh on my mind and having seen all those videos. But um, but I found out that, yeah, they, they showed it on Nightfall, which I think was like on USA Network or something in the 80s. It's, it's, 
I'm not that I've got a hole there. Qualified. It's you know I don't do. I remember yeah. those shows, but I yeah. mean just vaguely. I mean yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't remember or anything. Night flight. Honest, yeah. sir, yeah. officer. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I, I never. I never watched TV until just a few weeks ago. Really? Yeah. What, what you, made and you I start? I don't do movies. I only do five movies. Three of them, one, 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 I'm three times, yeah. But I uh, don't do movies. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, you don't need it. You got well, that I mean, movie in your head going yeah, on all the time. I don't, wear, yeah. I don't wear shades to keep the sun out of my eyes. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you working on any new music, Jesse? I'm really not. I put out okay. a, a CD, yeah. uh, just sort of threw it out there. Uh, but uh, th- not that I w- wasn't proud of it. Earlier this year, right, I, right. I recorded at the Countrypolitan, and uh, I'm real happy with it. But uh, really nothing. I've been too busy uh, writing. writing. Yeah. Just played the Margaret show, which is awesome. That'll do me for a while, I guess. Yeah. Those I'm writing poetry. You are? Yeah. Oh, can we expect some kind of book? A po- book of poetry? I, I wouldn't advise you to get your expectations <laughs> up for anything that I'm talking about doing, uh, but uh, but I've been really surprised at how much fun that I've been I've been having. I mean, it's it's not disciplined poetry. You got one? No, oh, no, you no, no, do no, not, yeah. no. I didn't. I didn't make that hook. No, uh, let's go. What, yeah. You don't have anything? No, I know. I know. I I, I don't. Uh, I don't have a good enough memory. Yeah. You know, to do happy birthday. But I've got. Uh, I don't have I the money it. to clear happy birthday on yeah, the show. <laughs> uh, originated here in town. Happy birthday? Yeah. No. Yeah, the person that collected the royalties for happy oh. birthday for a oh. hundred years what was originally in, in, from here. Wow. Yeah, and that's another Mike Tollison story. You know, the lawyers have their stories, and, and yeah. You, you know, know what? You know what I miss is poster art, man. That that's one thing about this book, loaded with just the best art. And by the way, your skunks <laughs> one for uh, for was it Rolls? Yeah, yeah, yeah that one with the fun. little kitties. Yeah, that's jamming, dude. Yeah. I love that poster. And just Thank just you. the amount of of I mean, you just forget, you forget like how much art means, like how in in ingrained it is with music. And unfortunately, it's it's hard to keep up with that when everything's gotten yeah. so small. Like you do an album cover now; it's not something that you can yeah. roll a joint on. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And look at yeah. and be like, "Shit, here's this. Look at this, man." Yeah, yeah. yeah we that lost a, the we lost a lot. You can see it in at Treadgill's downtown because I use album covers yeah. all the way around the place and in the bean counters and all because it's it's such a good representation of of what went on. The 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 art uh, outlived the music. Uh, ten to one, because you know you can only enjoy one piece of sound at a time. But you can just walk the walls down there, and uh, if you got an old timer with you, you can get a good history lesson out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I gotta say before before whatever we wrap this up, you you uh, I really I got such a great sense of of where this scene comes from from reading that thing and. Um, you know, you're such a huge part of what uh, this, what attracted me, what keeps me here, and and uh, initiating that sense of community and and togetherness that really makes Austin different than so many other towns and so many things like, I mean, you start thinking about things like Ham and Sims and 
the Austin Music Foundation, these things that are created. A to- doctor friend of mine ran the free clinic. He did? Yeah. And he, you know, he said to me one time, he said, you know, people, people think I did the free clinic for free. He said, I got to clap 12 times. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you for, for being, for be being an of instigator of what, what has become a, a haven for so many artists. Really. Like, well, yeah. Thank you. That's a thank good you. feeling. It's, a, it's, 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 it's it, a hard, uh, you know, it's a hard thing to, you know, to get to on a lot of levels. People are coming up to me now and, and congratulating me for having signed the lease. That they'd heard so much about, and I, you know, I have to. Well, they care. They I mean, care, I know it's painful. It's hard to but, tell yeah. them that the lease is really a sentence. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, a. Yeah. You know, it's, it's oh, because you just renewed your lease at Threadgill. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, it, I'm not soaring about it. You know. Right, right. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, just. Uh, yeah, we're going to play out the last few chapters that we've got and see what happens. There's people coming out of the woodwork. I set up a flare by putting in the paper that it looked so bleak that we might be aiming toward uh, you know, trying to figure out how to get a soft landing. But uh, I've come up with new friends from it. It really worked. And there's a, there's a gentleman uh, that built all that Chelsea apartment thing right across the street from us who's... Uh, Who's come to come back to you know come to town and sit with us and said, oh, "Hell, let me see what I can do to help." And, and uh, we don't know, you know, you know, we might end up, we might end up with a. I wanted a mini Moody, you know, the Moody. I wanted a miniature version of the Moody on top of Threadgill's downtown, and you know, then and then something over that to pay yeah. the rent and the taxes. Yeah, but. Uh, we don't have any idea what'll happen, but we still get to try real hard to make it up. Yeah, and so we'll uh, we'll find out soon. This guy. Oh how? You bring him. High definition supply set on the side of that truck. <laughs> um, I've t- Moody Theater is good. Do you ever go there? You ever go there for shows? I've been there several times, times for shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's uh, it's a little bit big for me and. And I get a little bit of vertigo way up in the you know, oh, yeah, back yeah, seats yeah. and all that, but sounds great. It really it does. Sounds great, and and uh, you know just. I missed the music hall though. <laughs> you mean the one that you oh, the bad sounding place? Missed. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a joke. The music hall. It's no music hall. Yeah. Uh, for your benefit of your listeners, the music hall was a place that was not suited for music, but uh, across from Lozano Rosa. But, yeah. 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 But. Uh, but this place is good. I saw I one mean, show that sounded really good at the music hall. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What? One. Oh, okay. It was... Uh, uh, that maybe was a joke. Uh, Portishead. Oh, yeah. Remember that band? Yeah. Yeah. They, and uh, they... Yeah. I feel like they brought their own system and some guy spent four days uh. <laughs> setting up the... You know, ringing out the, ringing out the system. I know people tried. But... Yeah, the Moody sounds good. It's uh, Iggy Pop sounded great there. Yeah, yeah. I I played there on Saturday for a private thing, the Cirrus Logic. Yeah, you know, yeah, playing there is always like a treat too. Yeah, I played one song there. You know, it's nice. It's like uh, it's like one of those places where you go and you're like, I wish every gig was like this. Like uh-huh. I'm sure people felt when they uh-huh. went to the Armadillo, like I wish I didn't have to go to this place tomorrow. I have to mm-hmm. sit outside my van <laughs> until I play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this book, Armadillo World Headquarters by Eddie Wilson with Jesse Sublett, 
Forward by Dave Marsh, a memoir, a fantastic memoir. So you've lived a great life so far. I'm living still a got great one. You're life. Living a great life. <laughs> yes, yeah. I certainly yeah. am. I'm, I'm, I'm so lucky that it's kind of got me a little bit skittish. You know, I mean, how could I possibly maintain the luck I've got? But you met Sandra. Yeah. So I've got. Uh, you got good luck. I got I got real real good possibilities that uh, that my luck is still with me. Yeah. Jesse, man, you are you're one of my favorite people. I think that you're the coolest. Yeah. Oh. You really are. You're like one of the coolest dudes I know. Yeah. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah. You're the best. Yeah. I'm not, I don't think it. I'm the best, but you are the well. coolest. I uh, I appreciate. It. Is there anything I'm missing? Anything to leave out? People can get this book. Uh, what, is there a website? I didn't even ask that. Oh yeah, threadgills.com. Hello. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I I love to sell them at Threadgills. Yeah, uh, that's my very favorite. You know, and you know, come have a beer and a meal. And, yeah. You know, get six or eight books for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great meals. If you can't go there, you can get it at other places, regular sure. bookstores and Amazon. Yeah. But the best, by far, is to get it at the at Threadgills. Yeah. So if you live in Austin, yeah, get into Threadgills, get something to eat, and uh, some chicken fried steak. Get you a book. You yep. live the, the five vegetable combination when we have 31 to choose from mm-hmm. comes in something just shy of 290,000 possible combinations. Wow. Yeah. So five vegetable plates always a good one. Jeez. That's really good. I love Threadgills. I love uh, I, I love that it's just down the street, too. And I love yeah. Austin, Texas. You love Austin, Texas. Yeah, you man. know, sir, there's one thing that we know you love Austin. You do, too. You've yeah. written all these books now. It's been good. You've covered the whole thing. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that book. And okay. Oh, Monday. We'll Wait, Monday at Armadillo uh, Christmas Bazaar. Christmas Bazaar. Mo- no, Monday, next Monday is at the Threadgills. Okay, Adela next Monday is that. Is that yeah. Okay. Saturday. Saturday. Two okay. Saturdays. Yeah. Okay. At Armadillo. All right, Christmas so this will come out Bazaar. on Friday, so the next Saturday they'll be ah. at the Armadillo Christmas Bazaar. Yeah. But you can go to threadgills.com and probably you have that stuff up there. Yeah. Maybe some got, your personal appearances. Yeah. I got, I've got whatever you need. Yeah. I'll send out for it if you don't. Yeah. Thank you for doing the show, and thank you for thank writing you. the book. Thank you guys you, feel good about this? Absolutely. I, I yeah, had a whole thing that I was going to... I had three pages of notes, and I didn't even look at them, but yeah, it's me. wonderful to get to hang out with you guys. Same here. All right. And first, thank you for the book. First time I've ever been through the gate and down here and seen the little owl. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, a little heaven by the river here. It's yeah. cool. Yeah, it is good. really nice. Yeah. Don't tell anyone, because they're going to tear it down. They realize they can make a lot more money on no. this property if they add like 50,000 more units, but don't tell anyone. Well, it's going to happen. Oh. Here All they right. come now. Yeah. Here they come. Who's that picture on the wall? Uh, the man or the lady? The man. Uh, that's my grandpa. Oh. Looking over the ranch in Very Cuba. Cool. Uh, looked yeah, like a cool like a young dude, Hemingway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so being in Cuba, there uh-huh. that's a that's a, that's a double. Yeah, a double, double Hemingway. Hit, yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. He's got some pretty crazy books. He was not a fan of the hippies. Uh-huh. That guy. He was a. Ah, that was Eddie Wilson and Jesse Sublet. Their book, Armadillo World Headquarters, is available now. Go to threadgills.com and get the book. The Armadillo was opened from August 7th, 1970 and closed January 1981. But its idea of community and 
sort of the tone that it set for the community that goes on. We're still living it today. So I want to thank Eddie Wilson and all the people that started the Armadillo with him, got it going, all the great artists, all the great musicians, all the selfless music fans that made it what it was, and hence pushed forth this great community that we have now in Austin. So thanks to Eddie Wilson. The book's absolutely fantastic. I read the shit out of that book, and I had a great time. Found out all these people that I didn't really know about. Some people I did know about, but I didn't really know how they fit into everything, and now I know, right? So that's good. Great book, Armadillo World Headquarters. Go to threadgills.com to get it, or you can get it in the places where you normally get books, but they prefer that you get it through threadgills.com. All right, great conversation. I want to thank Eddie and Jesse for coming by. I'm going to have Jesse back in again to talk about his book about... uh, Esther's Follies. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. Whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you're going to do. All right? Here's some more music from Gary P. Nunn singing about the armadillo itself. Famous song. Let's get down. <laughs>